this Sunday at 10 a.m. I want us to pray. I want us to submit ourselves to the Lord, to the word of the Lord that's going to come forth. It's so important that we are open, that our hearts are open to the Lord, that they're sensitive to the presence of the Lord. You know what? We encounter the Holy Spirit. He changes us. He changes us. And it's good. It's good. So let's just take this moment and let's just surrender ourselves to the Lord. Bow before him in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the good things that you're doing. There is chaos in the world, but Lord, you are a good, good God. You are good. We can declare your goodness. We can declare that you are alive and well and all-powerful and all-knowing. You are good. You are good. The enemy would want us to side in with the script of the world about despair and destruction and fear. But we will not side in with the script of the world. We will side in with the word of the Lord that you are good. You are a good God in the land of the living. And we look to you today. We are reminded today. We exalt you, Lord. We magnify your name. And Lord, in doing that, Lord, we receive your Holy Spirit's work to change us. So Lord, right now we just lay ourselves down on your altar. We lay ourselves down in submission as we encounter the presence of the Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Lord is good. You know, the Lord is only good. That's who he is. He is a good, good, good God. He is God of love. He is love. So we can know and we can trust and we can rest in the Lord and even how he guides us, even how he instructs us in our lives. We can trust that God always comes from the intention and desire of goodness and of love. You know, I'll just be honest with you. The word that I have today was a bit of a wrestling because sometimes words that the Lord gives are more easy to give than others. And today's a more challenging word that the Lord has given to me to speak to you. And it has to do with the new season that we're entering We have been in a time over the last few months of, in a sense, solitude, a sense of forced isolation due to the shelter in place and to the coronavirus pandemic. But see, the Lord's desire over the last few months was to use this time, not for harm or evil, but for our good, actually for our purification. For a time of the believers, whatever unbelievers do with this time is between them and themselves. But as believers, we're children of God and we are living and constantly living in submission to the Lord. And the Lord is always at work. He wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. He always has intentions Even in the most difficult circumstances, he works things together for our good. 
And today the Lord wants to emphasize as we are going into the new territory. See, one of the first words that he gave, even before we had to go to shelter in place, one of the first words the Lord gave over this house, it was right at the brink before we were forced to not meet together, was that the Lord was bringing us into a new territory. There was an enlargement of territory way back a few months ago. Feels like forever ago. And part of a new territory always is facing giants in the land. Doesn't matter. You go into something new. The enemy doesn't want you to have success in it. He doesn't want you to enlarge the territory for God's kingdom and the authority and power that he has, the Lord has for your life in your areas of your family, your finances, whatever area. And so the Lord's been speaking to me just this week about the giants in our land. But he said to me, Lynn, you know what the biggest giant is? The giant of self. The giant of self. It's interesting how we can point to giants. That's my Goliath. And it's something that's outside of us. It's the world. It's the enemy. It's the people who don't want me to succeed in the things of the Lord. It's sickness. It's something else. Those giants. And those are giants that the Lord gives us power to defeat. But the greatest giant is not the Goliath. This is the way the Lord said it to me. It's not the Goliath in David's life that was his greatest giant. It was the, the Bathsheba. Now, it was not Bathsheba's fault for the sin of adultery, it was David's fault. David orchestrated the whole thing because David had sin inside of him. It was his sin of self, sin of his will, his will over God's will to accommodate what his flesh wanted. It was his excuse for sin. It was his cover-up of the sin. It was his desire to be right. Even as the prophet Nathan comes to confront him about his sin with Bathsheba, David's response to the story of Nathan telling about the man that steals the little lamb was, go get that man who is wrong. And Nathan says, no, it's you who are wrong. And the Lord is saying to us, listen, I'm bringing you into a new season of blessing And I'm enlarging your territory, but the first territory I enlarge is the territory in you. Get rid of some stuff. Get rid of some stuff. You know, a lot of times believers don't think they need to change. They think the circumstances need to change. You know, even as we are not able to gather together here in this place, in this house physically... We may be pointing, look at our county. They're not letting us gather. We're pointing at that and saying, I'm so frustrated. And the Lord is saying, you know what? I hold the hearts of the kings in my hands. So maybe we need to look internally first. Because the truth is, come on, I'm going to go there, Lord. I'm just going to go there. The truth is this. Some of us need to repent of not putting a priority on the house of the Lord in our lives. We wanted it when we wanted it. 
But it wasn't a priority. We put all kinds of things in front of gathering together. And now we don't have it. Now we don't have it. And possibly, and I know it's not just possibly, I know the Holy Spirit's saying this to me. Listen, I want it to be a priority because it's a command. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Do not forsake. And when we had the freedom to do it, when we had the opportunity to do it, come on. Come on, let's just get real with ourselves. Because really it was about ourself being first. It was about our desire being first. It was about what we wanted being first. It was about it doesn't matter really if we do that or not first. Rather than consecration, devotion. Oh, come on. I can feel people just like, not like, come on. there. Are you, are you hitting the delete? Are you hitting the change right now? No, let us, let the, Lord enlarge our, let the Lord enlarge the territory of our heart. Let us be changed. He's bringing us, come on people. He's bringing us into new consecration. Some of us said, oh, you're just being religious. You're being re- legalistic. You know what? It is a command of the Lord. To gather together. Do not forsake the gathering together. Do not forsake it. It is an example, both in Old and New Testaments, of believers gathering together. The Sabbath day. The New Testament. Having the the first day. Gathering together. You know, this is the thing. 1 Peter 4.17 says this. 1 Peter 4.17, write it down because you'll need to look and see what the context of this scripture is. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Judgment. Who's doing the judging? It's the Lord. The Lord is, is searching our hearts. Now, what's the context of this scripture? The context is Peter's writing to a persecuted church. He's writing to a church that cannot have a lot of freedom to worship. And he's saying, you know what? I want you to respond to this persecution in an appropriate godly way. Whoa. In a godly way. And allow the judgment to come to you first in the sense of check your hearts. The Lord is using the external circumstances around us to cause us to look internally to check our hearts. Not say, oh, don't be dismissive. Listen, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking this. The externals are bringing about the purification of the internal. The external circumstances right now in your life, wherever you want to say that they are, are bringing about, listen, purification in the internal part of you. And what should our response be to this? In 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, therefore humble yourselves. See, the first thing when we don't want to really hear what somebody's saying because it means maybe I've been wrong about some things. Maybe I've had my priorities wrong. Maybe the idol of self has been in my pocket in my journey with the Lord. That I've actually been choosing some of the flesh things, the world-like ways and not being consecrated and devoted and disciplined. Oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Because you're making your church a muscle church here. See? You're making us a muscle church. 
First Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride. Oh, Lord, forgive us of our self-righteous pride so that what is he going to do? He may exalt you. That's how he's going to exalt you. When you humble yourselves, how is he going to enlarge your territory? When you humble yourselves, don't make excuses. Say, Lord, cleanse me. Let the external, you know, if you have frustration and complaint about us not gathering together, let me tell you what. Check your heart. Check your heart and say, did I prioritize that? Or was I forsaking it? Was, it? was it on my top of my list to do as consecration unto the Lord? I just, I just really believe part of the process that we're going through right now in the church, and, it, and there's many types of things the Lord is allowing to surface in the body of Christ for cleansing. For cleansing, yet the discrimination and the racism, he's saying cleanse. The house of the Lord shall be cleansed. We don't look to the world to lead us. We lead the world by us being consecrated to him, to be submitted to him, to have the love of Jesus, to have the disciplines of righteous living in our lives. And it's not legalism. It's righteous living. It's consecrated living. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, because I believe this has been an issue. No, I don't just believe. I know it's been an issue in our culture, at least in this county, if not in the state. But I know in this county, it's been a, this has been a problem in our culture, in our county's culture, because this is one of the wealthiest areas of the world. And the Lord has assigned us to live here as a responsibility Come on, Jesus, you're speaking. The Lord has assigned you as a believer, and if you're Holy Spirit-filled believer, to live here as a responsibility to manage the resources that the Lord has given to you. All belongs to the Lord. So the Lord is cleansing us as a church as the people of God, as the children of God, to bring us into new levels with him, a new level of authority. And he's saying this has got to go every time the Lord brings people into new dimensions of authority, the enlargement of territory, he cleanses them. What did he do with the people of Israel before they went into the promised land? He said, time for circumcision. Be on your way to the promised land, you're going to be circumcised. You're going to be cleansed. You're going to be purified so that you can defeat the giants. He even did that to Moses before Moses ever got to Egypt to deliver the people on his way after the burning bush. After God's call, on his way, there's a stopover. And you know what the stopover is about? Moses has sin in his home. His son has not been circumcised. And the Lord is disciplining Moses and saying, guess what, Moses? On your way to your destiny, on the way to the authority and power that I am going to have flow through you, I'm going to cleanse you so that you succeed in that new territory. 
Come on, shall you receive it? This isn't just, come on, we can talk it all day long. Let's walk it. Let's walk it. Let's apply it. Let's say, purify me, change me, God. And may we submit to that change. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Come on, Jesus is coming. I don't know if you noticed that. But it's heating up around here. Jesus is coming. We need to be gathering together. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be submitting ourselves to instruction that it is a priority in our lives. The fact is this. The concept of the Sabbath day did not get erased in the New Testament, by the way. The concept of it. See, in the Old and New Testament, there is the concept of the setting aside of time to worship the Lord. The devotion of time, the consecration of the Sabbath day. Time and energy belonging to the Lord. See, the Sabbath, the tithe is our resources. So we give a tithe of our resources to God. Our money in the farming days is first fruits of of the crop. But the Sabbath is about giving the first of our time to the Lord. Oh, come on. We're going to go there. We're going to go there because the Lord's bringing you to a new level of consecration. You're saying, well, does it have to be on Sunday? You know, don't get legalistic on me. You need to be setting aside Sabbath day to the Lord. You need to be setting aside Sabbath day to the Lord. Why? Because when we do this, this is, you know, two things, two types of resources the Lord has given humans. He's given the resource of finance, provision, the crops, those fruitfulness, and he's given us time. See, he's given us time and he's given us resources. And the consecration of those things, he has, he has given us disciplines to show forth the consecration that my, all my time belongs to you. See, the Sabbath represents our date with the Lord, our set apart time with the Lord. You say, well, I have my devotions, but this is the thing. It's just like Israel. Israel had the fire and the cloud every day, but they still had the Sabbath. The new believers in the church in Acts had the Holy Spirit every day, but they still gathered together faithfully. Come on, people. Let's get real here. Let's get real. Let's be the church in the world. Now you say, well, Pastor Lynn, why are you pinpointing this? I mean, we're not even able to gather together. What I'm saying is, let us right now repent of our unfaithfulness in that area of our lives. Come on, let us repent. Submit ourselves. Let us start with repentance or cleansing. See, the thing is, God can't change anything you won't admit to. Have you forsook the assembling together? Not had accountability See, the Lord is saying, you know what? I'm using this time. I'm gonna, the Lord is going to release us back together. 
May we come back together with a greater appreciation and a greater consecration and a greater discipline of our lives, not just for our own lives, but for the next generation, because we just don't talk the talk. We walk the walk. Your children, your grandchildren, the people in your lives will learn by your example. They will follow your example. Well, my kids, they're bored. Uh, Excuse me? Church isn't entertainment. Church is consecration. It's gathering together with believers in consecration unto the Lord. It's set, it's church or the Sabbath, that time is not for you people. It's unto him. The tithe is unto him. The Sabbath is unto him. And you know what I'm telling you? The Lord is calling forth that area of our life that we've allowed to get pretty flimsy. We've allowed it to become very undisciplined. We've allowed it to be compromised. That our lives look more like the world than it does like what the word of God says it does. And he's calling us out as his children because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And the Lord wants us to see this so that we ask for forgiveness so that he can release to us. Come on, I know you're uncomfortable right now. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. The fact is this. We need to go to this new level in the Lord. And I want you to search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. You say, well, you know, Pastor Lynn, I hear you. I know some of you are listening right now and go, I hear what you're saying, but you know, my job and I get it. But you know what? The Lord wants you and him to have a talk about what you need to consecrate to get yourself to a gathering point during the week. I know some people, Sundays is a lot of times a difficult day to get here because of a a job or a, a business that they have. But there is a time that you can gather. There's a time on Wednesdays with the men's ministries, with the women's ministries. There's a time for you to gather. There's life groups. There's ways to gather if, if there is no way for you to be able to gather on Sundays. And you know what, Pastor David and I are talking about even more options. Very soon coming to make sure to cultivate this for your life. We feel it's so important because the Lord says, I'm bringing you into a new land. I'm bringing you into a new land. I'm enlarging your territory. I'm increasing you and I will exalt you. See, the Lord says we submit ourselves to him and in due time, he will lift us up. And that's what the Lord is wanting to do for his children. But he's lifting up consecrated children. He's lifting up devoted children. He's lifting up righteous children, children that want and desire and have designed their lives to walk in righteousness. This is a, 2020 is a huge transition point. This is a pivot point for the people of God. This is not just uh, Santa Clara County. This is global. This is global. The Lord is pivoting the children of God so that he can lift them up. But he says there's areas that you need to submit to me so that I can lift you up. Come on, Jesus. Search our hearts. Search my heart. You know what I'm going to tell you? 
You know how much I wanted to say this word today? today? I'm not at all. I'm not at all. Because I know it's a sore spot for some of you. I know some of you go, oh, I feel so con condemned. And the enemy wants to come and say, oh, she's condemning you. I know what the enemy is going to want to say. And the Lord said, you just say it because I love my children. I love them. And I'm good to them. And I know what unlocks power and authority over them. I have created them. I know them. And my desire is to lift them up in the earth. You think your business is going... Some of you... Oh, the Lord's giving me a prophetic word right now. Some of you think that your business is going to suffer if you honor the Sabbath. And the Lord is saying, it's not going to suffer it's going to multiply. The Lord says, you're not going to suffer. It's going to multiply. Your, your career, your favor, your business is going to multiply. Now, the Lord is going to talk with you. You and the Holy Spirit, you sit down and you discuss your week with him. But I'm going to tell you, he's not wanting your leftovers. Because the Sabbath was not about leftovers. The tithe is not about leftovers. It's about first fruits. It's about first fruits. So you sit down with him and say, Lord, what is the first fruits so that I can gather together? See, we live in the presence of the Holy Spirit every day. We walk with the fire and the cloud every day. But we are to gather together. We are the body of Christ. You're not an ear out there by yourself. You're not a nose out there by yourself. You're not an eyeball out there by yourself. We gather together as a body of Christ. That's our power. That's when the, one of the greatest areas of power in the earth is when the body is functioning in unity together. And the enemy has used these philosophies of the world to fragment the way that we think, to adopt the worldly ways, to put other things as priorities so that we don't function in power together. But Jesus, in his great wisdom, God the Father, in his great sovereign plan, in 2020, it said, we're taking a break and we're going to deal with some stuff. Moses, on your way to delivering the people out of Egypt, we're going to deal with some stuff. Israel, on your way to, to get the promised land, to defeat the enemy in the promised land, we're going to circumcise you because you're going to walk out in power. You're going to go forth in power. You're going to go forth in authority. You're going to go forth and there's nothing, nothing, nothing that's going to compromise you. Nothing. So what we do, as First Peter says, we submit ourselves. Let us submit ourselves to the Lord. Therefore, First Peter 5, 6, therefore humble yourselves. Come on, right now. That's going to be our prayer right now. Some of you are like, I don't like this lady. Who she thinks she is telling me what's up? I'm telling you what the Word says is up. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit says is up. Pastor Dave is going to come and tell you what's up right now. <laughs> Let me read 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that what he may lift you up. He may lift you up. You know, it's interesting in Scripture, the, the number 20 has a very powerful significance to it. We're in the year 2020, which is a double portion of the word, the number 20. And I'm, I'm not really big into numerology, but it's interesting. I've been studying the last couple of weeks 
about the year 2020. And one of the things that's interesting is uh, the number 20 scripturally talks about two things. It talks about completeness, and it also talks about an extended period of solitude and waiting. So those two things are, 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 are a tandem experience that we're having. We have been globally placed in a, a, a forced waiting, a forced timeout, a forced selah, waiting on what God wants to do. And I believe that part of that process is the labor and the suffering that we experience is meant to bring completeness in your life. Yeah. It's not yeah. meant to harm you, right. but it's right. meant to bring a right. sense of completeness right. into your life. Right. Right. And it's interesting because if you look through Scripture, Jacob waited 20 years for his wife. Solomon, yeah. uh, in building the temple, built it in 20 years. Uh, even the Canaanite, uh, the pagan Canaanite king actually suppressed the people of Israel for 20 years. So when you read through scripture, one of the things you see is God moving and working in the lives of people. And I want to challenge you as men and women of faith, listen to the prophetic voice. Scripture says, if you listen to the prophets, you will prosper. And it's just not talking about prospering financially. It's talking about prospering in every area of your life, in your relationships, in your business, in your home, in your spiritual nurturance, all of those things God wants to do. And I, I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit is stirring something in his people. You know, I, I, I listen to a lot of different people talking right now. And it's interesting because there are people who are in positions of spiritual leadership that are crumbling right now. You know why? Because they haven't built their foundation upon the rock. They haven't trusted the Lord. They're doing it in their own strength. They're doing it in their own might. They're doing it in their own authority. And the, and the word says this, they that you know, wait upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. But if you build it upon yourself, it's going to crumble. And I want to challenge us as people to come and to seek what God's calling us to do so that we can walk forward in a completeness of who called, God's called us to be. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's a time of completeness. The Lord is bringing you in to your promised land. The Lord is bringing you in to what he has promised you. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. Now, you know what? I want you to not let pride get in your way. I don't want you to let any self-righteousness get in your way. I don't want you to have the idol of self in your pocket. You know what? When I was preparing this word, actually... After I prepared the word, I was worshiping, and the Lord said, you're tearing down the altars to other gods that have been placed in your culture. And it gave me the picture of Gideon, who tore down the altar of other gods. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to do it in secret. He wanted he went and did it at night because he didn't want his father. He didn't want his father to find out that it was him doing it. And the Lord says, "Know what you're doing, Lynn? You're going to tear down those altars so that the people don't live in compromise or oppression." See, the fact is this, the Lord has more for his children. He has more power for you. He has more authority for you. He has an enlarged territory. You know, when, in, in the book of Judges, they lived. See, they were already in the promised land. But what they had done is they had forgotten to be consecrated to the Lord. They started to get kind of seduced by their world around them, the culture around them. And they became like them. And the very seduction that fed their flesh led them into bondage. Led them into being dominated. 
And the Lord brought a judge, a prophet judge, to declare to them. And today, we're tearing down this altar, not unto God, but unto false gods. It's actually been unto our own flesh. It's been unto our own, you know, lack of discipline or even lack of desire sometimes. I'd rather go to the beach on Sunday. I'm gonna, I'd rather go to Great America I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. Lord, just bring it out. Let's run. I'd rather go play sports on Sunday. I'd rather go hiking on Sunday. I'd rather to, that I can commune with the Lord. You know what? Do not forsake the gathering of yourself together. I'm calling this out on this. If we want to be a muscle church, we're not going to just pick and choose what that means. We're going to be a muscle church. It all begins, it begins with me. I'm going to be honest with you. It begins with me being courageous enough to confront you on it. A lot of times my argument with the Lord is, hey, listen, those who are watching or those who are here, why should I tell them, Lord, because at least they're the ones here. I might scare them off. See? And the Lord's all, no, you're going to confront them because it's not your word. It's my word. You're going to confront them because it's not for your deal, Lynn. It's for them. It's for them walking authority. It's for them being lifted up. It's for them prospering. It's for them being fruitful. And I know them, Lynn. I know them, and I know what unlocks them. So let the Lord, come on, he's had to deal with me. I had to wrestle with this all week. Pastor David knows this. I, we, we go on walks. I said, you know what? I've been wrestling with this word. I don't even know if I want to say it. Do you think it's going to offend the people? And you know, the bottom line is the Holy Spirit says, I don't care if they're offended because what's offended is pride. Your pride or your desire to Hold on to your flesh. This is my day. No, it's not your day. It's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. Teach your children this is the Lord's day. Come on, children. We go to the house of the Lord. Oh, I don't want to go today. I want to watch TV. I want to play video games. We go to the house of the Lord. We consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Children, this is what we do because we love him. We worship him. He created us. We serve him. We submit our lives to him. Children, this is what we do. This is what it means. Well, my friends don't do that. This, you know what? We do it because we serve him. And our whole lives belong to him. It's time, people. It's time to confront that in our lives. Lord. All right, Lord. I did it. <laughs> I love that, Lord. I did it. I, I said what you wanted to be said. But there's something about the tearing down of the altar that's been an altar of the world. The world's philosophy, the fleshly philosophy, the self-righteous. There's even some self-righteousness in that philosophy. There's been some wrong teaching in that philosophy. There's been worldliness in that philosophy. There's been a lack of submission in that philosophy. And Lord, you're saying, tear it down. Tear it down. I'm bringing them into enlarged territory. Tear it down. They're going to be more powerful to conquer their enemies. Tear it down. They're going to hear my voice with clarity. It's not going to be like a, 
a uh, static radio station. They're going to have clarity of hearing my voice because that consecration, greater level of purification is coming into their lives in a very practical way. A very practical way. Lord, so we just submit ourselves to you because you are good. Good. You are good. You love your children. You love your children. And in this time, this, as Pastor David said, this time out, this time out, what do chi- why do children get put on a time out? So they can think about it. So they can think about maybe some things that they had done wrong. And the Lord says, you know what? There's been times of nurturance in this time out, but there's been times where I'm pinpointing some change so that when you get out of this time out, that you go forth in change. You go forth as a new person. You go forth with the priorities I have established over your life. Not what you have established over your life. What I have established over your life. So Lord, we declare this, Father. We decree this word. We all, we all, and I speak for this house, Lord. We submit it to you. And Lord, you will, you will take this word and you're going to commune with us about it. You have extended talk time individually that you're going to commune with us. And Lord, may we not dismiss that. May we not push that aside. May we receive and commit to what you're telling us to do in regards to this word. And we thank you, Father, for your word that sets us free and empowers us. Lord, your word has been given with eternity, with eternal viewpoint, with an eternal vantage point, not an earthly vantage point. You have given us this word with an eternal vantage point. This is not just about us Right now, it's about the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. It's about the other generations following what we lay as a foundation of consecration. So, Lord, we don't just do this. It's not just about us. We do it unto you, but it's from the eternal vantage point. And we thank you, Lord. We want to keep our eyes on what it's all about. It is about eternity. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Wow. Woo. Jesus, you are good. Good. Come on. Oh, come on. He's good. Claim that over this word. You say it because you're good, Lord. You're good, Lord. Come on. You are Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, you are good. Come on. We declare it, Lord. Yes, Lord, we receive your goodness. You are good, God, and you'll never let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Come on, come on, come on. You're never gonna let me down.
You know what? As we just sang that song and declared his goodness, I felt a release. Something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Come on. I think something's going to happen over the gatherings together. I just feel like it. I just feel like it. So watch for it. Watch for a release over this county. Okay? I want you to watch for it. All right? All right. Mark my words. Watch for the release over this county. All right. Some announcements. Speaking of gathering together and opportunities to do so for your nurturance, like I said, some of you may have difficulty being here on Sundays due to being a business owner or your responsibilities. Maybe you get called out due to your job uh, description and stuff that there are opportunities to gather together. So we have Crossroads Connect going on. It's our Wednesday night services for men and women and children and youth. And pretty soon those are going to be back in person. We're believing God for that, but currently we're doing it online through Facebook, Zoom. You can find that out on the e-newsletter. Also, the Friday e-newsletter has the description of our life groups. Very important. Uh, I put in the times. Listen, there's a reason why uh, location and phone numbers aren't there. It's for the privacy and the confidentiality of people. But there's ways to contact people. If you're interested in the life group, I just put in the day and time that they meet monthly. It's a monthly gathering together. Um, and sometimes they do more than monthly gathering together. But I want you to connect. If you're saying, you know what, Pastor Lynn, your word has convicted me and I do need to be have some intentionality in my week due to my work schedule. It's difficult for me to get here on Sundays. Then look, there's other options. There's other options. And I want you to key in on that because the Lord wants you to be gathering together. It's your protection for your life. So look into the e-newsletter. Connect with uh, Randy Chandler for the men's ministries, Rhonda Chandler for the women's ministries, and for the youth ministry. Get your child in the youth ministry consistently. They're going to be starting events with all of the regulations in place. They're going to be starting some events for your youth to go to. And you want your youth, your teenagers, they're going on a hike on Wednesday. On a hike. Good for them. That's the way to go. This coming Wednesday. You want your young people to be in a group of where godliness and spiritual values and having mentors that are adults that are godly are in their lives. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You don't need that. You put them in the protection of the community of faith. Come on. And in children's ministries, Pastor Sandy sends out a, a great uh, children's ministries video. You know what? There's lots of uh, resources. Pretty soon when we gather together, we're going to work out how to have some children's ministries going on when we resume our in-service on-site gatherings. Okay? So want you to do that. Be in relationship. Be in community. It is healthy. It's God's will. And it's part of your consecration before the Lord. Pastor David sends out a great daily devotional that you can use for your quiet time with the Lord. And some people say, well, he doesn't send it out until maybe 9. I get up earlier. Well, use the day before. Be a day behind. Actually, Mark Perry told me that's what he does. He's a day behind so that he can do it early in the morning. The fact is this. That is a good way. If you have a hard time maybe with discipline in the Word, what a perfect way for you to get disciplined in the Word. Also, 
Pastor Lynn, that's me. I do a, a seven to eight minute uh, prophetic word that has a teaching attached to it. It's, it's embedded in the word of God. I'm not really big on prophetic words that are not embedded in the word of God. And it's ha- it goes forth every morning. You can get it on uh, YouTube. Currently, I can't send any more out on my email system because I just have too many people that are connected that way. So you can just log on YouTube, look me up. It's called Fill to the Brim, and you can start following me. If you follow me, then it will come naturally to you. You don't have to look it up. It will just come to you. And so I would recommend, and you know what I want to challenge those of you that have been listening to those Fill to the Brims? I am going to challenge you to start sharing them, sharing them on Facebook, sharing them multiply, because I have found every time people share them on Facebook, I have found that there is multiple, multiple people that go look it up and listen to it. There's about 10 times the amount of people. So if you share a word that you say, you know, that was really good for me. And sometimes some words really ring true. Even a word that's been in the past and it rang true with you. Go look it up and share it and get it out there because it's creating multiplication of the word. And it's a whole, you know what? I'm not big on reacting to the script of the world right now. Let us be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I want to challenge you to do that. You can get our sermons online on the podcast. Our e-newsletter tells you how to do it. Share those as well. We have a missionary partner of the week, and guess who it is? It's one of our own, very own, Christine DeCurtis. We just took her on. Christine's our missionary of the week. And speaking of Facebook, she does what we call Kingdom Conversations. I was just on with her a couple weeks ago, and it's a ministry, uh, share about healing, prophetic, all kinds of things that she does. And the following for that Grace Guys following is 32,000 people, by the way. 32,000 people. doesn't mean that 32,000 watch it all the time, but they have a following. She gets at least a thousand or so that watch her weekly uh, conversation. So you know what? Pray for Christine. The Lord has enlarged her territory. Pray for provision over her life. Amen. It's a good season. It is time. No matter what the world says, it is a good season. God is bringing us into a new land, and his children shall be consecrated unto him. Let's bow our heads and pray for the offering, the tithes and the offerings we're giving to the Lord. Lord, we give to you our tithes and offerings. Lord, these tithes and offerings belong to you. And Lord, we give them to you out of obedience and to show forth that everything we have belongs to you. Now take it and bless it and multiply it for your kingdom in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor David is up. Worship team, thank you. Well, good morning. I am excited to be with you today and we have a good word for you this morning. You know, we've been uh, looking for the last... uh, Uh, probably a couple months now, looking at the names of God. And one of the reasons we want to teach you on the names of God is because when you understand uh, the names that are associated with God, you understand his character. And when you understand his character, you understand how he speaks to you. And one of the things that is interesting, there is a name of God in the Old Testament. Uh, It's El Deot. 
it, it's not idiot, it's eldiot, okay? An idiot is someone that doesn't have knowledge. Eldiot is someone that is the God who understands and is the generator and creator of all knowledge. And it's interesting because in the, in, as the Lord's been speaking to me about this whole uh, concept of understanding the God of knowledge, uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but it's, it's this whole pandemic has really taught me one thing. There are a lot of quote-unquote experts that don't know what they're talking about. Do you, do you, have you followed that? You know, on one week we get an expert telling us that this is wrong, and the next week they change the subject. You, you hear these people, and, and there's, a, there's a whole uh, uh, culture of people that because they can post or inter- Instagram or, or get on the news and be interviewed, they consider themselves experts, Right. There's actually, a, in, in the, the, the world of psychology, there's a, a term called the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Let me just talk about this for a second. The Dunning-Kruger effect is actually, it's a, a perception that people have that they are smarter and more capable than they really are. Have you ever, you ever met someone like this? You know, you, you may work with them. Maybe it's not the person, hopefully it's not the person you see in the mirror every morning, okay? But these are people who essentially possess a a lower skill and knowledge about something, and they actually think they know more about it. I was reading an article this week about people who had dialogues and and dialogues and conversations online with people, and were making fun of the people that actually were the experts in the field. One of the things I read was a guy uh, who uh, made a mention uh, that if you just just did a Google search in five minutes, you could find the information you're looking for. And the guy said, you don't understand. I've spent 15 years and written a 300-page research book on this. I don't need to look on Google to explain it to you. You see, there are people that think just because you Google it or just because you see it online makes you an expert. Let me tell you, that's not what it's about, folks. And one of the things that we have to look at is we have to learn that, that we are people who submit ourselves and we humble ourselves. You know, I don't like to necessarily quote Darwin, but one of the things that Darwin said in one of his books really struck me as I was preparing this message. Darwin said that ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. And there's so many times people who are ignorant think they know more than people who are well-versed in the subject. Now, I want to tell you something that I'm, I'm not an expert in all things, but I am, a, I am a, a, stu- a student and a studier of the Word of God. I may not have an expertise in other areas. Like my one nephew asked me after I got my doctorate. He said, now, Uncle Dave, are you a doctor that can help people, or are you one of those doctors that really can't do anything? Well, I can't help you in your physical well-being, but I can help you in your spiritual well-being. And I want to challenge you this morning, as we break open the Word of God, that one of the things we can do is we can learn the truth of Scripture. You know, as a son or daughter of the Most High God, as a child of faith, as a person who puts their hope in Jesus Christ, one of the things he wants to do is he wants to infill you with his knowledge. He wants to impart you with the knowledge that comes from him. You know, there's an interesting passage in the book of Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, 1 Samuel 2, 3. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak with such arrogance, for the Lord is the God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. Literally what he's saying here is the concept here, uh, the word arrogance is, is what comes forth. And what is arrogance? Arrogance is unrestrained talk. You know, recently we had the opportunity to fly back to uh, Alabama with uh, 
My wife and I flew back. My son got a new uh, position. And we had a, a chance to fly on the plane. And, and coming home on the plane from, from uh, Dallas to uh, San Jose, California, there were some people that were sitting behind us. And uh, we, when we were sitting in the airport waiting for the flight, we noticed that they were there, and they were talking kind of loud, and, and they were drinking quite a bit. And if you've ever been around someone with drunk talk, do you all know what drunk talk is? Drunk talk is, you know, the, the, the higher the percentage of alcohol in the system, the louder you get. And uh, also with that, there's actually, a, uh, there's actually been studies done. I actually went up and said, I don't drink alcohol, okay? I abstain from it because there's lots of reasons, and that's another sermon. But uh, I, I want to talk to you about this because there was a, a professor at the University of Missouri who did a study, and this is what it's called. Alcohol's effect on performance, monitoring, and adjustment, effectual uh, modulation, and impairment of evaluative cognitive control. Basically, what he's saying is the more you drink, the less you have control of yourself. So it's interesting because have you ever heard someone say when they get really drunk, oh, I didn't mean it, I was just drunk? Literally, his study over years and over uh, hundreds of people has shown that actually they do mean it. What happens when you drink alcohol, it lowers your inhibitions. Actually, he refers to it as it lowers your, uh, it dulls your warning capability. So when you do something uh, normally, you, you have enough self-respect and, and, and control that you don't say something. But when you, you are drunk, those inhibitions are lowered. So you say whatever you think because you think you know everything. And so one of the things that is interesting is I want to talk to you about what is true knowledge? You see, God is the God of knowledge. One of his names is El Diot. He is the one who is, is, is referred to in Scripture as the creator. And not only is the creator, but he's also the one that is the infuser of knowledge. The, the word dia is actually a root form of a word found in Scripture that's used six different times. It's used here in the text in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's also used once in Job, once in Psalms, once in Jeremiah, and then twice in the prophet Isaiah. And each time it's used, it's used in not just uh, the word knowledge, but the impartation of godly knowledge and wisdom to those that are getting it. So what God wants to do, God wants to infill you with an impartation of what he knows. How many of you would like to know what God knows? How many of you like to understand timing and seasons of what God has? How many of you like to know the plans the Lord has for you, Jeremiah uh, 29, 11? You know, if you're in relationship with him, one of the things the Lord wants to do is the Lord wants to impart to you his wisdom and his knowledge. You see, if you look up in the dictionary the concept of the word knowledge, it's basically the acquaintance with facts, figures, truth, and some sort of principle that you've learned. And it's actually... It's, it's gained by either study or investigation. Now, it's interesting because as, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Lynn and I, we have, our background is education. We spent years in, in college, uh, uh, both learning and teaching and running colleges and training people for ministry. And one of the things that is interesting is within the academic arena, there are people that interchange wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And there, there is there's a, a fallacy with that. Just because you have knowledge about something doesn't mean you're wise, all right? There are people that have multiple letters behind their names. They may have been 10, 15 years studying, and they may not be very wise people. They may be knowledgeable about something, but they may not be wise. When I was in high school, I had a a professor 
uh, actually a teacher, but he, uh, he had many, many patents under his name. He was a brilliant man. He studied physics. And his name was Mr. Bridge. I always remember this, Mr. Bridge. And he used to always pick on me because I tended to talk a lot in class, and he would say to me, you know, Mr. Willis, your sarcastic witticisms will have to cease. That was the thing I heard from him all the time. And uh, Mr. Bridge one day was teaching... Uh, about force and teaching about the difference in force and how gravity affects it. And I remember one day he took and he had a rubber ball on a string and he put it out and he started spinning it above his head and he was talking about what happens to something when you slow down the motion. And as he did, he slowed down, he kept hitting himself in the head with the ball. You see, he had knowledge about something, but he wasn't very wise because he kept hitting himself with the ball. And one of the things that God wants us to do is God wants us to be people who understand the times and seasons. God wants you to have godly knowledge, not knowledge uh, just to know things, but he also wants you to have godly wisdom. You see, we live in a culture and a world that has a philosophy. And what is philosophy? It's a way of thinking. It's a worldview. It's the understanding of the way you see the world around you. And God wants you to know this. There is a, a distinct knowledge that he wants to impart to his sons and daughters so you can understand what's happening. A dear friend of mine, Sam Huddleston, always says, always used to say this to us, what's happening ain't what's going on. And I know that's bad grammar, but it gets the point across. What you're seeing going on around us isn't really what's happening. There is something deeper involved in it. And one of the things that we have to be very careful of is that we don't listen to people who have knowledge but lack wisdom. All right, do you hear me? Don't listen to people who have knowledge but lack wisdom. Wisdom is imparted from God. Let me give you some practical examples. How many of you have ever gone to a medical exam and the medical person talking to you is telling you how to take care of your health and you're in better shape than they are? All right? I used to work in a hospital. When I was doing my doctoral studies, I worked in a hospital. And I remember one day I was talking to one of the doctors, and he, he was, you know, just finishing his cigarette, telling me how I need to get more healthy. Okay, well, you know, there's a lot of people that have knowledge that cigarettes will cause cancer or are not good for your, your lungs, but yet they still do it. You see, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. How many of you have ever, ever gone to a counselor, and you, uh, as you're talking to the counselor, but yet in their own lives, they have very destructive practices, all right? How many of you have ever, ever been to, uh, I had a driver's education instructor who got pulled over for drunk driving right after he taught someone how to do driver's education. Okay, they're, they're, you see, you have all these people. You know, that's one of the things we're seeing even today in the news. We're seeing people that are supposed to be enforcing the law, violating the law, and then they're wondering why they're getting in trouble. Okay, you see, you have people that have knowledge about something, but they aren't fleshing it out into their daily practice. And we are not to be that way. We're to be people who, who seek after the Lord and seek after Him with just not knowledge of having, oh, I've read the Bible. Yeah. I remember once when I was working at Penn State University, I had a professor there that we were talking and, and I was sharing the gospel with him. And he says, oh, I read the Bible once. I know all about it. Wow. Aren't you the divine one? You know, I know people that have studied it their entire lives and still don't un, un, unravel all the truths. But some casual reading of the book of Scripture doesn't mean you're an expert in it. It takes study, and, and knowledge is, is honed through study, but wisdom comes from the Lord. And, and one of the interesting things in the, in the Scripture, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 1, verse 7, there's a verse of Scripture that I've heard so many people 
uh, read and misquote it and misunderstand the true meaning of what it says. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And a lot of times people get really hung up on the, the word fear in the beginning of it because, you know, isn't God a God of love? Yes, He is. But why, why does he use the word fear? Because the, the word fear, actually, if you study the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom, the word fear is used 13 times within the, the book of Proverbs. And it's associated with an expression, not necessarily of like, oh, I'm afraid, more so it's associated with a, a, a respect for and an honor for. It's, it's an understanding that God is holy understanding that God is all-powerful, and being in relationship with Him, it's actually the, the origin of the word is, is actually fear of reverence. It's actually talking about reverence for something that is holy and pure. You see, we're living in a culture right now that wants to desecrate anything that's holy. It wants to desecrate marriages, family, children, uh, culture, uh, diversity, all of it wants to be torn down. And as people of faith, we need to realize, let me, let me tell you, this is, this is a word that you need to hear. We live in a culture that wants to despise anything that is sacred and holy. And as people of faith, we need to stand against that. We need to be people who understand what Scripture teaches. We need to be people who understand that, that God is a God of love, and God loves all people, and as His sons and daughters, we love all people. And they may be different than us. They may not even believe the same thing we do. But we honor and love them because they're made in the image and likeness of God. They're, made in, they're, they're in, in, made in His image. While they were still in their mother's womb, He formed them together. They may deny Him. They may curse Him. They may mock Him. But it doesn't matter because they're still made in His image. And as people of faith, we honor them. So why do we fear God? We fear God because of His awesomeness. You know? How great is our God? You know, there's a song that talks about how awesome is our God. You know, I hear people talk all the time about athletes that are awesome. No, they're just talented in a sport. You know, that's a whole nother area we can get into people that have expertise that really don't deserve it. You know, well, why, why do you listen to someone that handles a, a sporting event as an expert in something they're not trained in? You know, why do we listen to actors and actresses? They're, they're faking their whole, their whole career is about faking to be something else and then we want to listen to them. My wife and I were watching TV the other day, and they had a, a, a person from one of the TV shows on that played a lawyer talking about a law firm. And she said to me, oh, don't you recognize that person? They played a lawyer on such and such show. Well, if they played a lawyer, they must know everything about the law. They must understand everything in the bar exam because, honestly, they read the script and they were able to parrot the words back. You see, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. You know, it's, it's interesting because... You can teach a pet how to do something, you know? You could have, if you have a parrot or a cockatiel or a cockatoo, whichever one it is, I'm not sure which of this, but you could teach them how to say things, and they could talk, and they could have a, a limited conversation with you, but it doesn't mean they're wise, you know? And we follow people, and this is what I don't understand. All of these people that are following uh, influencers that haven't been trained in all of this area, but yet you, like, oh, well, they're an influencer, so they must know something. Yeah, they know how to get you to follow them so they can make lots of money off you following them and they get more wealthy because you're following them and buying and doing what they're telling you to do, going to the places rather than you being a person on your own and setting the standard and course for your own life. Yeah. 
So what God's word says is, as, and sorry, I tangented on that, but this is something that really, it's kind of like my wife tells me, there's a burr under my saddle on it, and it's, it is, you know? And I, I, it, it bothers me because as people of faith, we don't follow ungodly people. We follow the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wisdom comes from the Lord. And if you want wisdom, don't go following off someone who is just standing on a soapbox, promoting themselves, and getting you to follow them so they could have more media attention. You need to be following the one who spoke the universe into existence. You need to be following the one that teaches you the difference between right and wrong. The one that teaches you how to live a godly, holy, righteous life. Turning into another book of, uh, another section of the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. This is a, a beautiful text that says, for, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Aren't you glad the Lord wants to give you knowledge and understanding? How many of you have ever asked, Lord, I don't know how to do something, and the Lord gives you wisdom? You know, recently, uh, my, my Nissan Cube, my precious little Nissan Cube, which we've had for the last seven and a half years, uh, gave up the ghost. The uh, engine went out, and it was way too costly. So for Valentine's Day, my wife bought me a pickup truck. I am now officially a man. I have a pickup truck, okay? And uh, there's stuff on the truck I didn't even know about. I brought it to church the first Sunday, and people are walking around telling me features of the truck that I didn't even know I bought. I just got it because it was a, a great deal, you know? And uh, so it's, it's up higher than my cube because my cube was like stepping into a shoebox. My pickup truck, you have to actually step up and get in it. So I decided to put on running boards on the side. And, you know, it was easy. I followed the instruction. The instructional video took five minutes. And in five minutes, they got both running boards on. And I was like, wow, if that guy could do it, I could do it, right? So I got down, and I went to put my running board on, and it took me three hours to get the first one on. And an hour and 45 minutes, I was laying on my back praying in the Spirit, saying, Lord, teach me how to do this. Because the the pictures that they sent with the, the instructional manual didn't match the pictures of the holes underneath my truck. You know, the ones in the picture, they were all pre-threaded. Well, the, you know, the manufacturer, they're kind enough to uh, send an adapter piece, but the only problem with that adapter piece, it, you, you needed two of those adapters to go through a hole that only one adapter could fit through. And so I was laying under there, and I'm praying, I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm thinking, Lord, I got this committed, I got the first one on, I got two more to do, I got to have, and, and right then the Lord said, David, do this. And he said, get a piece of wire and run it through and then snake a bolt through and pull it through and boot, and boom. So it took me three hours to get the first one on and 40 minutes to get the second one. Why? Because the Lord wants to impart wisdom. And I tell you, if, he, if he's concerned enough about step-ups into a truck, he's concerned about things in your life. And I tell you what, God's word declares over us that he wants to give us wisdom. And it's, it's, it's interesting because the term here used for wisdom is a very technical term in the original language. It actually talks about skill in warfare. So the word that he uses here in Proverbs 2.6 says that wisdom is actually a divine strategy in the battle that's set before you. And let me tell you, God wants you to have shrewdness to unfold the plans of the enemy and not just unfold them, but beat them at their own game. You see, God's word declares that. That's That's what wisdom is. And how do we get that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, we have the mind of Christ. How do we get the mind of Christ? The Bible tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Your mind is renewed when you're in the word of God. 
When the Word of God is exposed and you open your Bible and you begin reading it and studying it and gaining knowledge, there is an infusion of not, not just knowledge to you, but there's an infusion of divine wisdom which is actually a a skill in the battle. We don't fight with flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. We fight in the spiritual arena. And the people that fight purely in the flesh, they they cultivate flesh. Those who fight in the spirit realize what's happening ain't what's going on. What you're seeing going on around right now in our culture is not all a physical thing. It may manifest itself physically, but there's a spiritual forces behind it. And as people of faith, men and women who are strong in faith, we need to be able to go head on with that and have the mind of Christ. So what, let, me, let, me just, let, me, let me spend a few minutes digressing on this because I think it's really important for you and I to understand what does it mean to have the mind of Christ. You see, having the mind of Christ helps us understand God's plan for the world. It helps us to to realize that the chief end of man, the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith says the chief end of man is to do what? It's to bring glory and honor to God. Our lives as believers should be bringing glory to God. Not glory to yourself, glory to God. We glorify the Lord in everything we do. And let me tell you something. You are the only Bible some people are currently reading. Are you a good translation? Are you a a good translation of what it means to be a man or woman of faith? Is your home an example of it? Are you like that in the business place? Are you like that ethically? Are you like that morally? Are you a safe person to be around? Can people trust you? You see, that's, that's the fleshing out of the gospel. It's not what you say. Have you ever heard the expression, your actions are speaking so loud I can't see your words? That's what we're talking about. There has to be a consistency with walk and talk as a believer. Otherwise, you're, you're fake. You're a fraud. And so what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Well, first of all, you need to realize that when sin came in the world, it distorted everything. It distorted people's perspective. It distorted people's view of things. You know, when sin came in, it, it's interesting when you read through uh, Scripture, Scripture speaks very harshly about those who despise the foreigner. Scripture says the righteous people take care of the foreigner among them. We, we, we honor them, we, we respect them, we, we protect them. You know, I don't know how many conversations I've had with people that told me when they first came to the United States how people took advantage of them. And sometimes it's people of their own background. But more often than not, it's, it's other people that have taken advantage of them. You see, a righteous person stands up for those that are, are unaware and, uh, and don't have the background. We protect those that aren't uh, uh, protected. Another thing that sin did, it, it causes us to treat people the way that God never intended them to be treated. You know, sin, sin creates harshness, cruelty, inconsistency. You know, one of the things my wife and I always talk about is we want even scales. We treat, every, we treat everyone the same. And as a believer, you need to treat everyone the same. Even if you don't like them, you treat them the same. All right? And what happens is people don't understand when sin came in the world, it destroys not just you, but everything around you. You know, years ago, I, I, I lived in Pennsylvania, and there was a, a little town in Pennsylvania that had a, uh, a, a coal mine. Uh, Northeast Pennsylvania's got a lot of coal mines. And what happened was uh, 
some people decided to burn their trash. That was back in the, the day when you could burn your trash. You didn't have to, to deal with it. And the, the problem was when they burned their trash, the, the trash pile was actually on top of ground that had a coal vein going down into it. If you want to study this, it's a city called Centralia, Pennsylvania. I remember as a kid driving through it, and actually the town being, a, a, as far as a town in Pennsylvania in the coal country, it was a thriving town. Now if you go, it's a ghost town. And the fire has been burning for like 60 or 70 years under the town. Actually, it became a natural. The U.S. government uh, declared it as a, uh, uh, an area that was a natural disaster area. And they, they bought out the homes and they just let it go back to nature. But it's interesting because one of the things that happens is when you don't address sin, it gets down deep underground and consumes everything underneath it. And as believers, our job is not to allow sin to fester and smolder underground. Our job is to expose it. So having the mind of Christ lets you know those things. Here's another thing the mind of Christ does. It allows you to identify the purposes God has for your life. You know, what is God's desire? To seek and to save that all that which is lost. It's not just talking about salvation of people. It's talking about salvation of relationships, salvations of communities, salvations of businesses, all of those things God wants to restore. And as Christians, one of the things that we do, we seek and to save all that is lost. That's why we believe in prayer for the sick. You know, in this global pandemic, I see so many people sheltering away and being afraid rather than saying, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to pray for people. If you hear someone that's sick, pray for them. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the authority that God has given you to lay hands on the sick, and they'll be made well. Speak faith over them. Speak the healing power of the Lord over them. Another thing we do as believers, as Christians, we believe in in racial reconciliation. You know, one of the things that is really, I think, God's stirring up in our culture right now is how the church has not promoted racial reconciliation, but has allowed it to continue and not said anything. And so right now, God is bringing things to the surface that, you know, I, I was listening to a, a podcast by a, a bunch of uh, religious leaders, and one of the things they said is, be an expert in, in faith and stay in your lane. But true faith is treating people with honor and dignity and respect irregardless of their color, irregardless of their country, irregardless of their customs or practices. We treat people the same way because that's the way Jesus treats them. Yeah. You know, I love the stories in Scripture about how Jesus goes and he, he works with the Samaritans, the people that were religious and social outcasts to his own culture. Yeah. And he, he made bridges to the cultures. Yeah. He didn't isolate them. He actually moved in a sphere and said, this is how you deal with it. He also went and, and culturally, it wasn't acceptable for a, a, a righteous man to be seen alone with a woman. Yet he goes and he meets with a prostitute at the well in the middle of the day and, 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 and basically says, this is how I'm going to treat you. I'm going to treat you with honor, dignity, and respect. Let me tell you something, folks. You and I have a, a challenge before us. We have lots of people that are quote-unquote experts telling us how we should do it, but we have the one who spoke the universe into existence telling us how to do it. And we need to be people who go, and we have the mind of Christ, and we bring reconciliation. We should be people, Christians should be the most loving people anyone ever meet. They may disagree with you, they may argue with you, they may not like the Jesus you serve, but you still love them. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers them, and they may not be walking in grace, 
But we need to be people who are just exuding with grace. That is, we're squeezed. What comes out of us is not what comes out of the world, but what comes out of us is the grace of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness, the love, the compassion. You don't have to agree with their lifestyle. You don't have to agree with what they're doing, but you have to agree with the Word of God. And the Word of God says love covers a multitude of sins. Another thing Christianity does is it allows us to stand up for those that are being taken advantage of. As people of faith, when we understand our purpose in Christ, we understand that we're called to stand in the gap. Just like the Lord stood in the gap for us, some of us are being called to stand in the gap for people that don't have a voice. They may have been oppressed. They may have been pushed down. They may have been walked upon. That's where you, by your position, you use your position for righteousness sake. You don't use it for self-promotion. You use it for the advancement of the grace and nature of God to all people. Another thing that, that having the mind of Christ does is this. It gives us a perspective of ourselves that should be a perspective of humility, a perspective of obedience, and a perspective of compassion. You see, one of the things that happens to believers is when you understand that you are the servant of the Most High God, you come under obedience to Him. There's that off that, remember we talked about the fear of the Lord? The fear, the respect and honor you have for God brings you into submission to Him. It's not an arrogance. You don't have arrogance. You know, that is kind of an oxymoron for a believer, an arrogant Christian. You know, you should be, the, the more you are into the Lord, the more you grow in your faith, the more humble you should be. You shouldn't be arrogant and condescending, and you shouldn't have to treat people a different way to, to build yourself up. That's insecurity. What we want to be is we want to be people who practice compassion. Christians should be people who not only practice it, but we actually live it out. We demonstrate it by our lifestyle to people around us. You know, and one of the things we do as believers is we don't lean upon our own understanding. We acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, and then it says, and then he'll make our pathway straight. So as believers, having the mind of Christ is so powerful. Another thing having the mind of Christ does, it allows us to, to have a knowledge beyond our understanding or expertise on a subject. Let me tell you something. If God created all the universe and everything that's in it, don't you think he knows how things work? Don't you think he could give you wisdom when you're faced with a situation that you don't understand how to deal with it? Scripture says this, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. It doesn't say if you lack wisdom, Google. It doesn't say if you lack wisdom, ask some celebrity. It doesn't say if you lack wisdom, ask some newscaster. It doesn't say, you know, none of those things. It says if you lack wisdom, ask of God. And here is part of having the mind of Christ. When you're in relationship, when you have spiritual alignment this way, vertically with God, he allows it to transcend horizontally with others. And one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to give you a divine revelation. You know, and I just feel, I, I just feel right now, I don't even have this in my notes, I, 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 we need to just pray right now for some of us that we need to have a divine revelation from the Lord. Father, right now we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, God, your Holy Spirit would give us a discernment that goes beyond our years, beyond our expertise, beyond our understanding, beyond even what we studied. God, some of us are crying out for wisdom and understanding in situations that have us overwhelmed. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would go before us. Lord, your word says, I know the plans the Lord has for you. Well, Lord, reveal those plans to us. Give us divine strategy. Give us divine wisdom. Give us favor. 
Lord, give us opportunity. Give us an Issachar moment where we know the timing and the season of what you're doing. And I pray that you do this and you receive the glory and the honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. And one of the things that God's word declares of us over us is in the book of Ephesians. You know, and this is something I really want to address because part of wisdom is understanding the battlegrounds that we face. The battlegrounds that you and I face are not physical, they're spiritual. They may manifest themselves in a physical way, but that's not the primary uh, battleground. The primary battleground is spiritual. That's why Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's why it's so important for you and I to hardwire in to the Holy Spirit, hardwire into the God of knowledge, hardwire into the Word of God, and find out what the Word of God says, how we deal with situations. Because the battle that we're fighting isn't physical. And if you try to fight it on a physical level, you're going to get beat down and sent home with your tail between your legs. You're going to get beat down and you're going to be, you're going to be embarrassed because you're fighting it in a level that you don't have authority in. But you do, as a son or daughter of the Most High God, have authority in the spiritual arena. That's why we tell you, you go into an environment, you change the atmosphere. You don't allow the atmosphere to change you. You change the atmosphere. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling and living in you. And he is a great and mighty and powerful force. And what God's Spirit wants to do is he wants to move in you and empower you so you can be people who are agents of change. Do you hear me? God wants you to be people who are agents of change. You just don't change yourself. You change every atmosphere you go into. You change the environment you go into. You change everything about what's around you. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God's word declares that over you. You know, Proverbs 2, 6. Let's go back to that. That's all my introduction. Only kidding. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Knowledge... Is, is actually the, the word that's used here uh, in the text is from his mouth is actually a root word that's also used in knowledge. So from his mouth, the mouth of God actually speaks knowledge to us. And one of the things that he does is the knowledge that God speaks is not knowledge gained from some other expertise, but it's knowledge that comes from being actually involved and engaged in personally. You see, that's why we believe in the prophetic voice. That's why we believe in the gift of prophecy, because we believe that God allows us to speak for things prophetically because we're fighting not flesh and blood, but we're fighting on a spiritual level. And prophecy actually speaks to the spiritual things and it, because it comes from the Lord. This is what does scripture say? No prophecy is, 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 is of the prophet but it's, they speak of the Lord. And so one of the things that we have when our mind is transformed by the renewing of his word, we then can actually speak into situations and circumstances what God wants. Are you following me? You're tracking with me on that. That's really important. Because one of the things that, that we have to address is how God disciplines us so that we can learn how he operates. Did you hear me? God disciplines us so we can learn how he operates. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 32 and 33. These two passages of Scripture come together, and it's interesting because it says in Proverbs 15, 32 and 33, it says, for those who disregard discipline despise themselves. Wow. Well, I don't like to be disciplined. No one does. 
But what does discipline do? Gets you back on the right track, right? It gets you into the place you should be, you know? You don't like to be disciplined, but if you're doing something that's going to eventually hurt you, I would rather have the, the, the wounds from a friend that are going to keep me on the right track than someone just patting me on the back and saying, oh, just go on, do it. And then you get down into some quagmire you can't get out of. God's discipline is never just to discipline us. God's discipline is to bring us back into spiritual alignment, and that spiritual alignment keeps us on the track that he has for us. And the spiritual track that we're on is a sense of reverence and honor to God horizontally that then keeps us going the way we should vertically, or uh, keeps us going vertically in alignment with God so that horizontally we can walk with him. And one of the things that God's word says is, look at But the one who heeds correction gains what? Understanding. We gain understanding. And it says, and wisdom's instruction is the fear of the Lord. And humility comes before honor. You see, when you empty yourself, there's a passage in Philippians chapter 2 that talks about how Jesus, although he had the very nature and form of God, he emptied himself. And as a result of him emptying himself, God highly exalted him. The same thing is true with you and I. When we humble ourselves, when we have a, a spirit of humility about us, it's actually saying, God, I surrender myself to you. Lord, speak through me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know? One of the things that really bothered me when we were in the educational arena is how sometimes people with high degrees want to treat everyone that doesn't have a degree like they're idiots. Yeah. They disrespect them. They dishonor them. Oh, if you were only as smart as me. Well, I may not be smart like you, but at least I'm humble. Yeah. You know? We, we need to be people who don't yeah. have a spirit of arrogance about us. And I'll tell you something. When you talk to a person that isn't a person of faith, and you come across as an all-knowing person to them, they perceive that as you're arrogant. Yeah. You're arrogant, you're self-righteous, and they don't want anything to do with you. But when you come across with humility, it opens their heart up. Because they're anticipating one thing, and you come across a different way. Why? Because you treat people the way the Lord wants you to treat them. And one of the things I love about this is part of the discipline, even the word, and let me, let me explain something. The word that Pastor Lynn had and my sermon, we didn't meet and talk about before today. This is the first time I heard her word, first time she's heard this word. You see, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to two different people in spiritual authority communicating the word of God to us in different formats and different methods, but it's saying the same thing. God wants to discipline us so we can have a spirit of humility so we can gain wisdom and understanding and operate on a spiritual level, not on a fleshly level. And, and, and sometimes people think, oh, you guys just get together and it's like tag team. We do tag team, but it's on a different perspective. Even our devotionals in the morning, it's amazing how many times she goes and sits in her car. I sit on the, the, the love seat in our living room. She does a video, I do paper, I type it all up, and they're the same thing. We're not even together when we do it. We don't even talk about it. But you know what it is? It's the dovetail of the Holy Spirit speaking and Him saying the same thing. I want to impart wisdom and understanding to you. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gracious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. One of the things that the Spirit of God wants to do is He wants to impart wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is actually the word Sophia, okay? Oh, you're so sophisticated. That's where they get it from, you know, right? It's a word that talks to us about 
an understanding of the universe and how it all was put together by the God who created it. And when you have a spirit of wisdom, you're, you're, you're not just knowledgeable about something, but you actually have an understanding of how it all works together. And, and not only is it uh, wisdom, but it's actually a sense of uh, uh, affection for understanding and communicating that to others. You see, God wants you to have the ability to communicate what you know about the Lord and what you know about even a person's life. You may be prophesying to them. They don't even know what prophecy is. But you speak to them about what God wants to do, and then they have what I call that spiritual aha moment where they realize, wow, what you said to me is actually what happened. How did you know that? Open door. Because the God of the universe that I have a relationship with speaks to me. And he wants to speak to you. And he caught your attention by you hearing what I said, which actually came from him. So let me introduce you to him so he could speak to you directly. That's our goal, to bring people into a relationship with Christ. And wisdom is one of the ways we do it. But not only that, the scripture in Ephesians 1.17 says that he gives us not just a spirit of wisdom, but a spirit of revelation. Revelation is, is actually the word ginoskino. It's the Greek word that means knowledge that is gained through firsthand relationship. So what happens is, when you have revelation, you have firsthand relationship with the God of the universe who's showing you what you should do. You know, Lord, reveal to me what you want me to do. You know, I usually hear this, you know, when people are, want, are dating and they want to know if they're going to get married. You know, Lord, give me some revelation. You know, the ring, the wedding, all that stuff, that's, that's just byproducts. But it's really you want a word from the Lord. You want to know, how, you, how am I going to flesh this all out? How am I going to live it out? Well, you know, that comes from revelation. And that is who the God of knowledge is. Yeah. The God of knowledge wants to impart with you all the wisdom of heaven. Yeah. He wants to impart to you all the wisdom that he has. Yeah. You know, he wants to impart to you the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. Solomon was just a human being like you and I. Why was he so wise? Because he dedicated himself to the Lord. And even though he may have not been a perfect person, he said, Lord, here am I, use me. Use me in a way that can bring glory and honor to you. So I just want to pray for you this morning. Worship team, if you want to come up. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to pray a prayer found in, in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, there's a passage of Scripture. And it's actually referring to the, the, the coming of Jesus Christ. But I want to pray it because as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, the same spirit that lived in Christ Jesus lives in you and me. That's what Scripture says, Right? So if the same spirit that lived in Christ is available to you and I, why don't we embrace it? Why don't we go for gusto and say, Lord, I want everything you have. I want everything the Holy Spirit has for me. I want every gift that you have. I want every empowerment that you have. I want everything that you can give to me. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in 11, uh, the chapter 11, verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and an understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And right now, Father, we come before you as your sons and daughters, wherever we're at, in our homes, our cars, our workplaces. Listen to us while we're jogging, Lord. Those of us that are seated here in America, those that are seated abroad, wherever we may be, in Nepal or India or Sri Lanka or Bangladesh or in France, wherever we may be, God, I pray that right now the spirit of the Lord would rest upon us. 
I pray that, God, you would fill us. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the, the, the word of knowledge. And I pray that, God, your Holy Spirit will come upon us in a supernatural way. I pray that, Father, your Holy Spirit will come upon your sons and daughters. In the last days, it says uh, the, 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 we're going to prophesy, we're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I pray that, Father, your Spirit of wisdom would flood us flood our mind, flood our hearts, flood our lives in such a way that we would be people who have understanding and revelation, and not just revelation, but divine revelation, God. And I pray that, God, we would have spiritual godly counsel that we give to other people. I pray that, God, we would have a, an insight and understanding into things that, that goes far beyond our, our age or our expertise or our knowledge, but, God, it comes from your throne room. And I pray that, God, this knowledge would draw us closer to you so that we could have the mind of Christ, so that, Lord, we would know how to treat our brothers and sisters, so we'd know how to be able to communicate the goodness of God to people that are here right now, that we'd be able to be people who walk in the supernatural authority of the Most High God, that we would be people of the Spirit, that we'd be not afraid to pray in the Spirit and prophesy and lay hands on the sick and they be made well because we have a divine revelation from the Lord of, of, of all, from the God of heaven who rules and reigns on this earth. And I pray that, God, you would give us spiritual eyes to see beyond what, we, was, what is happening in the physical. And, God, we would see what's happening in the spiritual. And I pray that, God, you would infuse us with the supernatural power and ability of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Praise the Lord. As Pastor David was reading Isaiah 11, verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The Lord began to give me, while I was sitting here, a laundry list of things that people have opened their minds to that have blocked the wisdom of God, the true wisdom of God. And I'm going to read those things out right now. I feel so strongly about this. I don't care if it's over time. I know that the Lord is sending. He wants to free you. You have by either consciously or unconsciously allowed, opened up your mind to certain things, and it has blocked the spirit of wisdom from resting on you. And I'm going to start reading those things out, and, if, and then we're going to do a prayer. We're going to be a prayer over this, but I am, I am certain, I am so certain, and I don't care what country you're in, I don't care what background you have, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I don't care if you're a pastor, I don't care if you're a lay leader in your church, I don't care if you prophesy, I don't care. I want you to search your heart, and, and we just sang a song, Fresh Outpouring, says fire in my bones, the fire of God is a purifying fire, he's purifying his church. He's going to purify you. He's going to purify your mind. He's going to purify your spirit because you're going to go out in power. You're going to go out in the fire of God. So here, here are the things. If you have been involved in yoga in any way, 
in any way you have opened your mind to false religion. If you have been a part of any sort of self-help books that you have read and you've studied and have applied those things, that you are to repent of those. Those are man-made. They're from the humanistic, exalting the God of yourself, not the true and living God. If you have opened your mind to the occult in any way, if you have consulted mediums or played around with Ouija boards or if you have done cards or whatever, even even in a playful way, even on some of this stuff, this junk that kind of passes through the electronics of playing around with what spirit animal you are. Come on. That stuff comes not from the things of God. I'm just calling it out. It may look harmless to you, but it's not harmless to your spirit because it is embedded. There's a deception behind it. False teaching. Some of you have been part of false teaching that have been anti the things of the Holy Spirit. Even people who call themselves Christians, false teaching. Dabbling in new age philosophies, the world, the worship of angels, the worship of angels. You are never to worship an angel. You are only to worship the true and living God, Jehovah. Mentors, ungodly mentors in your life. People who have advised you and had the mind of the world and had prioritized worldly wealth. Okay, ungodly mentors that have prioritized worldly wealth over the wealth and wisdom of God. That's how you know it is an ungodly mentor because they have prioritized. You sacrifice everything for worldly wealth. That is an ungodly mentor, and I want you to denounce that. False prophets, people who have paraded themselves in the church even as false prophets, and they have spoken into your lives, tickling your ears, tickling your ears, but they themselves being a dirty vessel, they themselves lacking the submission to God, they themselves promoting themselves for their own gain denounce false prophets. They have even asked for money from you. Okay, Jesus, I just feel so strongly about this. Ungodly psychologists, people who have spoken into your life, psychologists that have not been godly people and they have spoken into your life. You need to denounce them. They have given you a script of the world. They have given you a false uh, truth. They have given you a false truth that they have packaged as the truth. They have said to you, you cannot be free from certain things or that's who you are. That is not who you are. The Lord says, I'm going to give you my wisdom and my understanding about who you are. The Lord says, uh, ungodly counselors in your life life. The Lord is denouncing these things. God is also saying, last thing, exercise. Some of you have been part of physical disciplines, exercises, you know, like certain types of, all he's giving me is physical disciplines that have been embedded in false religion. What's it called? Exercise addictions, but certain kinds of exercises that produce. Pastor David, I want you to come and pray over this. Pray over this. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we speak 
release. Lord, we speak release right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come against any of us that have been involved in yoga or self-help or occultism or false teachings, anything that's anti-Holy Spirit or New Age or angel worship or ungodly mentorship that have placed worldly perspectives on wealth or false prophets or ungodly psychologists or counselors or exercise. And I think the word you were looking for is like things that are steeped in other religions, exercises like some of the martial arts that are embedded with other religions. Lord, we come against that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would not be people who reject the discipline of the Lord, but Father, that we would walk in the humility and the surrender of your Holy Spirit. One of the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do is that he would lead us and guide us into all truth. And God, the truth is what sets us free. And I pray right now over your sons and daughters that may be encumbered or may be entangled over sins that so easily beset them, that God, that your word would set them free. Lord, I pray against any condemnation. I pray against any self-guilt. But Lord, I do pray for the boldness and the authority to stand upon what your word is saying, to stand upon the release of the Holy Spirit, to stand upon the power and the anointing of your word. And Father, we pray, and right now, we sever any ties. God, we realize that our battle is not flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. And Lord, we right now, we bind them, we break them, We sever any ties over them, Lord. We renounce anything they stand for. God, we declare the blood of Jesus Christ over your sons and daughters. And I pray that right now, God, you would wash us and cleanse us from these things. Cleanse the authority they have over us. Cleanse the the control of our mind that they have over us. God, we release the anointing of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you something, folks. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about any of these things, you need to to cleanse not just yourself, but you need to cleanse your house from them. You need to sever those ties. You need to sever those relationships. And and let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to give those things over. Don't don't even give them to thrift stores or that you just throw them in the garbage, get rid of it. And then you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to fill you with his presence. You ask that the Holy Spirit fill you to overflowing. If you uh, are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you need help with that, just put it in the, in the feed on this that you want information on being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to set you free and wants to fill you and empower you and, and pour out His anointing upon you in ways you could never imagine. You know, we sang that song, and we're going to close by singing it. Give us a fresh anointing. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out upon you this morning, wherever you're at. He wants to pour out a freshness and a newness like you've never had before. But he can't do it in a dirty container. You need to clean out the container and then fill it with the freshness of his oil. Fill it with the freshness of his spirit. Fill it with the freshness of the word of God. And cleanse us, O God. Lord, right now, we just ask that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just come wherever we're at, and you'd fill us afresh and anew. In Jesus' name.